Shout to the latest internet sensation. If it's happening in Melbourne, Seb Costello all over it. Seb, you're a pest, mate. Love your show. It, it, it is a bit ridiculous. Seven. We're, we're lucky to be a top team side at the moment. Um, but they do need me to hit the ball. Good morning, Seb, and good morning, all your listeners. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. Welcome to the weekend, and from time to time, the big-name celebrities review the weekend breakfast, and this week it was brought to my attention that Bono from U2 shared his thoughts on the program. Well, it, it, it is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> bit harsh, Bono, although your view has actually led us to have a real leading team-style sit-down. Dave, the audio engineer, is a part of it. Rosie, who's panelling today, you're going to be a part oh, of this okay. meeting. And uh, I thought I'd go to Merv Hughes because he knows a lot about you know successful teams and yep. getting people together. And Merv, uh, you know, what should we consider about the show as part of this meeting? Maybe we're not quite as good as we think we are. <laughs> I don't agree with that either, but we will have this meeting. Jake, the producer, you'll be part of it as well. He needs to be. He t- <laughs> Absolutely. Paris Hilton, Rosie. Paris Hilton's on the show this yes. morning. Yes. You know, How is she? Well, Paris I found to be very charming. She was yesterday out at a Doncaster shopping town trying oh. to flog off a uh, perfume range of hers. Yes. But she, she lives the act, if you know what I mean. You she know, is she, everything that you expect her to be. Yeah, she mm-hmm. she talks, you know, she puts on this little voice to kind of be sultry and what have mm-hmm. you. And, and she's very, you know, in a professional way, very aware of the way she's being presented. Right. You know, so yeah. knows where the light is, yes. knows where the mirror is just to check that everything's yep. okay. She's ready to go. She is. Yeah. And uh, last night on the Channel 9 News, she shared with us her view of Shane Warne after ah. Warney said he wanted to party with her. Mm-hmm. Well, I also asked her what she thought of Luke Darcy. Why would you do that? Because she came in to Southern Cross Austereo yesterday, which yeah. is the building where we operate, where the studio is, yeah. and she saw a poster of the Hot Breakfast team, yes. uh, Ed Mick and Das, and pointed to Das and says, who's he? He's hot. Mm. So good thing Das is travelling and didn't hear that firsthand. Wow. But I thought I'd drill down and find out you know, what she really thought of Das and maybe even tell Paris a bit of what Das likes to do a.k.a. wear gloves. Oh, not the other thing. Okay, that's all right. Then. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right, uh, and we'll also be chatting to Dave Anderson from Melbourne United. They had a big win last night. The, the amazing robbery in Richmond 22 years ago that resulted in the yes, rest yesterday. amazing. Extraordinary. The great Andrew Rule will join us on that. We'll cool. be talking cricket. We'll be talking a little bit of Australian Open golf with Wayne Grady. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchener. He is a legend of Australian television and he is very kind to be a part of this program. Hitchy, what is the subject this week? Three things you need to know about Peter Hanscom. Very topical. The test squad will be announced tomorrow and Peter Hanscom made 215 for Victoria as they finished six for 510 yesterday. He actually batted for longer than Australia did in the entire <laughs> second have. test. Yeah. yeah, extraordinary. Fantastic. But anyway, this isn't three things you need to know with me. It's three things you need to know with Hitchy. So what's number one? Peter was born in Australia to English parents and holds a British passport, but his allegiances are firmly with Australia. Thank goodness for that, Rosie. Yes. We're not going that well at the moment, no, so I'm everyone. glad he's not playing for the Poms. What's number two, Hitch? Hanscom switched from tennis to cricket as a child and today plays for Victoria, the Melbourne Stars and is captain of Australia A. So Pete mm. played tennis as a child. Today our tennis players act like children. <laughs> That's my view. I endorse that message. And unfortunately this segment's drawing to a close, but what is the final and third thing? The right-hander is nicknamed Pistol or Hank and can play the position of wicketkeeper. He'd also look great in a baggy green. Don't you think, Mr Lehman? I agree. Darren, do it. Pick Pete. The case has finished. Thank you very much, Hitchy. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchner. And in studio is a favourite of ours. You may remember he was Danny Green's last opponent down here in Melbourne, High Sense Arena, outpointed by the Green Machine that night. But he's fighting again, and it's always good to have Kane Watts in studio. G'day, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me, Sam. Mate, uh, now, I understand away from the ring, there's a bit of exciting news for you. Your your beautiful partner, Sophie, who some people might actually remember as uh, a next top model competitor, you and her have uh, got some exciting news. Yeah, mate, we're uh, expecting a, a little one 17 weeks today. She is pregnant, so we're, uh, we're over the moon and excited about that. So That's incredible, mate. Now, look, I don't mean to offend you here, Kane, because you could knock me out pretty quickly. 
But how do you end up with a girl like Sophie, who's so beautiful, she almost won Australia's Next Top Model? Uh, I ask myself every morning, mate, when I wake up. <laughs> How'd you no, meet? We, uh, we met a couple of years ago at a, uh, at a New Year's Eve function, mate, in, uh, in St Kilda there at Circa. And, uh, yeah, we stayed in touch after that. And, yeah, probably a year and a half later, we, uh, we got connected. And, and, yeah, here we are today, mate, expecting a little one. And, uh, yeah, we, we we're actually going to look at a, buying a house tomorrow as well. So... It's all happening. Oh, mate, <laughs> life's coming together beautifully with a yeah. little what's on the way. How big is it for, for your career as a Melbourne fighter to, to get that opportunity against Danny, even though it didn't go your way? Was it was it big? Oh, mate, I think every Australian fighter was, I mean, every fighter in Australia was uh, was after that fight. So for that to happen to us, uh, I'll give uh, big credit to my, my manager and promoter, Brian Armatruda, for uh, putting that, that in place for us. And... Yeah, we, we took a lot, lot out of that as well. So I'm hoping to to use that in, in future fights. Is Mundine uh, in for a tough show from what you felt when you fought Danny? Yeah, yeah well, Danny, they've both been around for a long time, you know. They're very crafty in their in their sports. And uh, I think uh, I think Mundine might be a bit of a favourite for mine just from his speed and, uh, and boxing skills. So. Interesting. Mate, once yeah. you got through it all, you know, you, you're high profile, you're on the TV, we got to meet you through the radio because of the, the nature of the fight. Did you take some time off after all that and uh, just enjoy a beer? Yeah, I did, mate. <laughs> we uh, we shot off to Bali straight off uh, straight after the fight and, and had a good, uh, good 12, 13 days over there and relaxed, mate. And yeah, we had a couple of bintangs and, uh, and put the feet up. Beautiful. And uh, a couple of months later, you're expecting, not that I want to draw uh, any uh, any links between the Bali trip and uh, the new family, but mate, uh, it's a big event. It's coming up tonight, Peninsula Pride, it's called. It's at the Melbourne Pavilion, and you're fighting a Uruguayan uh, by the name of Uberti Diaz. Is he a tough competitor? Yeah, mate, he's uh, he's been in the ring with some with some big boys and uh, fought some undefeated Russians. He fought a uh, an undefeated American American guy that uh, just fought for a world title over there. So he's going to be uh, a very tough uh, opponent. And uh, this is for a for a WBA Ocean Oceania title also. So uh, winning that will elevate me up to top top 20 world ranking. Fair dinkum. Yeah. But so. you don't uh, you don't wait around too much. I mean, you had your little break off uh, with the misses in Bali there, but it's November now. You fought Danny in August. You keep busy. Yeah, mate. Probably the last two and a half years, I've fought every three or four months. So that's uh, that's been something that's... Uh, that's been good and haven't haven't really had any injuries or anything leading through that period. So we've, we've uh, just decided to keep going with it, you know. And you had your weigh-in Friday night, last night. In the hours leading up to the weigh-in, how hungry do you get? <laughs> yeah, mate. It's, <laughs> it just becomes more and more noticeable when people walk <laughs> around with food and as we came in here and there's food scattered all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't yeah. make it easy. Somebody yeah. get those hot dogs out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, if, uh, if you're listening to this and you want to get along, the Peninsula Pride event is happening at the Melbourne Pavilion. We've got a couple of tickets to give away too. One triple three five three. First through can get along to that fight. But I'd encourage you to check it out if you're looking for something to do down in Flemington there. Still tickets available for walk-ups? Yeah, mate. There's uh, still a few tickets available for walk-ups. So it's going to be uh, going to be a good event. A couple of good boys from down uh, local regions down the Peninsula fighting. Good friend of mine, Jade Mitchell, also. So... It's going to be uh, an excellent night of fights. Get behind him. He's a good fella, and uh, he's uh, certainly putting Aussie boxing and uh, and the morning to Peninsula on his back too, representing it very well. Kane Watts, thanks for coming in. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. In the basketball last night, Melbourne United had a good win. They defeated the Cairns Taipans at high sense 84-79. Chris Goulding back, and he went for 30 points. We've got Dave Anderson from the Melbourne United coming mm-hmm. up to have a chat to us a bit later, Rosie. There's a couple of stories buzzing around too. I did want to mention quickly that yesterday on the Hot Breakfast, we spent a lot of time talking about the hit-run collision in West Melbourne yeah. where there was a cyclist. Uh, he was an 18-year-old. He'd come down from Gippsland. He mm-hmm. was riding around near Driver Street and Dynan Road about 10 to 1 when he was struck. Uh, the driver stopped, had a look, 
thought meh and kept driving. Yeah. Well, they have caught up with the driver. 25-year-old okay. from Footscray has been charged following an alleged hit-and-run collision. And that cyclist, unfortunately, still has life-threatening injuries mm-hmm. and uh, is fighting for life in hospital. So Terrible. a bit of a day for arrests yesterday with also the man arrested over that famous, famous robbery down in Richmond of the Armour Guard Oh, band. yeah. From how long ago? 24? 22 years 22 ago. 22 years ago. 1994. Yep. So well done to Vic Pollard. Doing a good job yesterday. Still to come this morning, we will be, you might remember, Rosie, we started the week talking about the supermoon. Mm, not so super. Well, the supermoon, have we got something to just talk up the supermoon? I like it. <laughs> yes. Well, it begged the question, oh, that's a considerable werewolf, <laughs> that when you have a full moon, it doesn't actually bring out the crazies. And I found a little scientific study that suggested that there is no evidence that there are more crazy people on a full moon. Really? We'll be talking to the man who put that study together shortly, and we'll also be talking to Paris Hilton a bit like... That's not fair. A bit unkind. That's not fair to Paris. She oh. goes all right. It is. Uh, yeah, Paris Hilton will be chatting to us a bit later on. You've heard what she said about Warney. You've got to hear what she has to say about Luke Darcy. Uh-huh. Yes, please. Mm. Back in August in Brazil, I covered the Boomers, the Australian men's basketball team, pretty closely. And one man that I felt really, really stood up in that tournament was Dave Anderson. He's a man who's plied his trade and had great success in the Euro Leagues. But I just wondered if back home we really understood what a good basketball player this guy was. And when I got a chance to sort of squire off one of the coaches, Luke Longley, in the corner, I did put it to him that do you think this tournament is really showing Australian basketball fans how good this guy can be? Well, if they didn't before this tournament, hopefully they're seeing that now. You know, he's built, he's worked himself into the tournament really well, um, worked himself into this rotation really, and he's not only been a steady offensive influence, he's actually been surprisingly good on the glass and playing deep. That's Luke Longley back in Brazil talking about Dave Anderson, who's since joined the Melbourne United in the NBL and joins us now on the line. G'day, Dave. G'day, how you doing? Mate, good. You had a good time in Rio, except for the ultimate result, the heartbreak against Spain. But uh, did you enjoy that tournament in parts? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a, it was a magnificent experience for us. You know, we did really well. And uh, fortunately, we fell a bit short of our goals. But, I mean, it was great to see, you know, Aussie basketball fans get behind us and really put basketball in Australia on the map. Now, mate, your resume in Europe is second to none. You've won EuroLeague titles, titles in Italy. You've played in Russia, played in Spain. Is it right that you got to watch a grand final in Melbourne this year for the first time in ages? Yes, indeed. I haven't been uh, been around in Australia for AFL grand final for yeah, over a decade. So it was great to sit down and have a barbecue with the family and friends and, and watch the footy for the first time in ages. And uh, it was a good experience and great, great time. I want to talk about United in a moment, but just quickly while we're still on your career in Europe, I can imagine yeah. language barrier must be quite difficult at times. Do you pick up oh, yeah. language playing in Italy or Russia? Yeah, I have. Well, I've played in Italy for a while and I learned Italian. I still speak it fluently. <laughs> and um, that helps, uh, obviously, when blending into the cultures of the different places you be. So, I've um, yeah, I can speak Italian fluently. I can carry a conversation in Russian. Uh, I got the Spanish a little bit down pat, and even the French. So, yeah, it's been a good worldly experience, I gotta say. Now, mate, United probably haven't had the start to the season you would have hoped, and there's been a bit of a change in the imports uh, with the former league MVP Cedric Jackson moving on from United. What happened there? Um, I think it was just you know obviously it's been a tough time. You know, things have been hard. We've had some crucial injuries, and things didn't work out the best for for what it is. But I mean. That's professional sports. Sometimes management make decisions that obviously, you know, can affect the teams and they're trying to spark, you know, the team to do better. And they've brought in a new guy in Castle Ware and, uh, you know, hopefully with that and the injury guys coming back, we can turn things around for our season and try and get back on the winning ways. And you know Casper a bit. You've played with him in Europe? Yes, I joined. He joined my team in France in Asvel, in Lyon, uh, in about March, April after his stint in China. So... Uh, he did really well, you know, the MVP of the final series. We won the championship in France, which was unexpected for, for many people. And, um, yeah, he's a good guy. He's pretty quiet, but he uh, works hard on the court and he's got some great offensive skills. So, mate, you're a veteran of that list, having seen and done it all. There's obviously yeah. pressure on the club when you're sitting at the bottom of the table. There's pressure on the coach, Dean Demopoulos. So do you take a bit of leadership and, and try and keep them together? And how do you keep a group together? Yeah, well, we're trying to stimulate things. You know, obviously, we'd be going out for a couple of team dinners and try and get everyone on the same page. The good thing is in practice this week, we've had good fight-outs. You know, guys are 
going really hard at practice, trying to get everyone, you know, working just that little bit extra so that we can uh, get some confidence going into the game because, you know, it's, it is hard when you lose the games. Everyone feels the pressure. I mean, if not, no one wants to lose. So, yeah, everybody's, you know, fighting for their, you know, trying to help everyone get on the right page. Now, mate, one last question that's really out of left field. We have two blokes who work in our show, one of which is Jake, the producer, and the audio engineer, Dave Collins. Yep. They're both Frankston boys, which means they're oh, very great. proud of you as, uh, as a Frankston boy as well. And they're just Definitely. wondering uh, if there's anything you can do to get the Frankston basketball courts finished a bit quicker. <laughs> I've been lobbying for it. I mean, I know my mate down there, Nathan Jolly, he's the CEO of the Blues, and He's done a great job of lobbying, you know, the local councils and everyone to get behind it. Hopefully it'll be good because I know the FDBA is packed out every week with kids playing ball and and school competitions. So it's really adamant basketball's big down on the peninsula. And and hopefully by getting the new stadium going even better, it'll it'll just bring even more interest, which is great. You know, you hope that the kids can do that, get into sport and really enjoy it. So if if things happen faster down there with the FDBA and get the bigger stadium quicker, that's... That's great for Frankston and for the Frankston basketball. Absolutely, mate. We want a few more David Andersons coming through the ranks. Well, mate, good luck uh, for the rest of the season. Hopefully we get a chance to chat to you again on Triple M as uh, the days go by. Dave Anderson from Melbourne yep. United, good to chat. No worries. Thank you. I want to go back to the start of the week where we all looked to the heavens because the supermoon was happening. <laughs> Rosie's in the studio this week, and that is an exceptional werewolf sound effect, Rosie. That is just really taking it to another level. Now, a supermoon or a perigee is essentially the moment at which the moon on its rotation is closest to Earth, so it looks bigger to us. We're told it looks 14% bigger. And so it led to a discussion as to whether the old wives' tale of a lunar event bringing out the lunatics was actually true. You know, you speak to coppers, you speak to nurses, people who work at hospitals, it's pretty clear to them that when there's a full moon, when there's a big moon, they deal with more ridiculous situations mm-hmm. and have more unusual people come out of the woodwork. And I did a little bit of research on this and found that a police officer in Queensland with over 30 years' experience on the beat had actually studied this. Uh, he'd taken a total of 900,000 calls to Queensland police over an eight-year period that covered 99 full moons and actually looked at the data as to whether there are more call-outs for police when the moon is full. Yeah. And that police member joins us on the line this morning. Good morning, Detective Inspector Jeff Sheldon. Good morning, Seb. How are you going? Exceptional, mate. Now, I mean, this must have been a lot of work for you. What did you find? Does the big lunar event bring out the lunatics? That was the most disappointing aspect of it. It doesn't. I've I've (laughs) believed in this for 30-something years myself. I've had my fair share of uh, lunatics come at me, (laughs) lunatics around the place, in and out of the police station. (laughs) And... uh, Nothing. There's no statistical uh, difference whatsoever between the amount of calls for service we get on a normal uh, day versus a full moon day. That is unbelievable. What did the boys back at the station say when you produced the research to say, boys, you know, this has all been something in our heads? Yeah, exactly as you said. Unbelievable. <laughs> we've all we've all lived it for so long and, and it's so ingrained in, in policing culture, same as emergency medicine and psychiatric medicine, that... Uh, yeah, that's great you've done that study, but I've got my own experience going on, on and I know there's crazies, you know. And I was exactly that uh, myself for, for many years until I actually drilled right down on the data and I was just, you know, very, very, very disappointed because I believed in it myself for so long. I can see that going down, you walking back and the, the guys and girls in the station just saying, look, Shells, you and your fancy university research, you're wrong. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice try, Pat Bush. Yeah. Now, get out here. <laughs> now, tell us how you actually put this together. I mentioned the sort of stats, you know, 900,000 calls over an eight-year period. So what were you actually looking for and, and how did you come up with this result? Well, basically, I, I've, as I said, I've experienced it and I was doing a doctorate and I thought, well, you know, I was looking for something to actually look at. And uh, I thought this might have been a little bit low level um, until I actually looked at some of the legislation, some of the previous academic studies. And they've studied all kinds of things, mainly emanating from the 70s when when they come out in America and said that there's a correlation between the full moon and murder. And from the 70s, 80s and probably mid-90s, hundreds of different researchers all around the world looked at, looked at all kinds of things, violence, suicide, homicide, uh, birth rates, uh, everything right down to fights in professional ice hockey matches, prison <laughs> riots, etc. anything to do with the aggressive side of nature coming out. 
And by the end of that, there was just a mixed bag of results. And I thought, well, let's have a look at it at my end. I've, I've uh, got an award on the wall for tasering some bloke trying to chop me up with a, uh, a machete. What a police on bravery a, on a full middle. moon. Yeah. No, it was an assistant commissioner citation. And, wow. uh, you know, and here I am. Yeah, I've sort of disproved my own, uh, <laughs> my own <laughs> set of beliefs. It's quite confronting. Oh, mate. Gee, tell us about that. What happened there with the taser? Oh, just the same sort of thing, uh, a, a, a full moon and uh, someone having a mental health episode and and they, uh, myself and a number of police uh, were called to the scene and and uh, he had an axe in one hand and a, um, a hammer in the other and uh, came at us and then got loose out into the streets and we were running around the streets trying to contain him and uh, it's a good example where the taser can help us de-escalate something so so much. Without that, it, it might have actually been a... Uh, a fatal result, right? Yeah. And you've been able to, yeah, preserve his life and uh, and make the community yeah. safer in that instance. Well, mate, well done. No, I'm uh, not surprised the AC came through with a citation on that. Uh, we're talking to Jeff Sheldon. He's a detective inspector with the Queensland Police Service, who did a, a lot of uh, research into whether full moons actually do cause uh, stranger work for emergency services. He found that it did not. Mate, uh, sounds like you've had a heck of a career. Oh, it's been great fun. It beats working for a living, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good to so chat. That's the main thing about it. It's yeah. different every single time, so yeah. yeah. Terrific, mate. Well, people can check out your study online uh, as we did. We'll put that on our social media. Jeff, thanks for chatting to us. No worries at all, Seb. Good to meet you. We were just talking to Detective Inspector Jeff Sheldon, who did a study that found that on a full moon, police are not busier than they would usually be. Sort of myth-busting, if you like. <laughs> Mick from Epping has run in on one triple three five three. And Mick, are you work in emergency services or the health sector? Um, it was more to do with intellectually handicapped people at Kew Cottages on Hawthorne Road. There, this was oh, yeah, back yeah. in nineteen ninety eight, two thousand, I think it was something like that. So, and uh, yeah, we had approximately uh, five hundred patients, if you want to call it. I suppose before it was all sort of disbanded and yes. demolished a few years ago made of units and mate yeah 100% I worked there and full moon always always dramas every time is that right so you you don't agree with the research then no no well I'm even police but mate I worked amongst 500 people and maybe for people that are, have got sort of mental disabilities or whatsoever but 100% mate every night there was dramas from ripping taps off the walls to people pulling out PowerPoints. It's just full moon. Set them off wow. every time. Mm. All right, Mick, thanks for your call. Sounds like a heck of a job. It makes you wonder about sort of all these myths, you know, all these kind of old wives' tales, whether they're real or not, you know, the assumptions we make in life. I, I think know. there is something to it, but um, I'm wondering if with Jeff's research, because he was in Queensland, they're all just mad anyway. <laughs> That's it. And so, so a, there was nothing to be noticed. steady stream every day. <laughs> we'll go to Nick at Mernda. Morning, Nick. Morning, guys. How are you? Mate, really well. What do you make of this research that uh, the lunar event doesn't bring out the lunatics? Oh, I think they've got a different moon in uh, Queensland and Victoria. Then <laughs> um, I've, been in, I've been in the police force 26 years. I uh, worked at an inner suburban station where we had a uh, psychiatric hospital in our patch, uh, ah. quite a few boarding homes as well. And, oh, geez, you knew. It was almost like you'd uh, be heads or tails as to whether or not you were working the van on a full moon or what. <laughs> It was unbelievable. I don't know where this. Um, yeah, they've got a different moon or different people in Queensland, one or the other. Mate, and you tried? Did you try and avoid it a bit? The old full moons. Oh yeah. If you if you're lucky enough to do the roster on the Sunday night for your night shift, you'd forever be looking. All right, when's the full moon? I'm in. in I'm in the office that night. <laughs> you're still in the job, Nick. Yeah, I am, mate. Yeah, oh, mate. Yeah. Well, hats off to you guys, Big Paul. Do an amazing job. Thanks yeah. for calling in. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Nick from Ernda says uh, it's uh, it's rubbish. Shane Warne said he wanted to party with Paris Hilton. Yep. Paris Hilton said that she liked sports and would happily party with Shane Warne. Okay. But when she came into the building yesterday, she also had something to say about our very own Luke Darcy. She was in this building. Yes, she was yesterday. Something happened in this building and I put it to Paris when I caught up with her yesterday. On your social media today, you were at a radio station and you saw a, a radio team and you pointed to one of the men and you thought he was quite handsome. Yeah. Um, his name's Luke Darcy. He likes to wear gloves as a fashion accessory. Is gloves acceptable for a man to wear? Yeah, it depends. I like wearing gloves. She goes on. Her full answer will be coming up in the full interview that we're playing later this hour. Whiz. One morning with Paris, Rosie. It's me and Paris. It's, <laughs> it's me and Paris going one on one. 
back in 1994, Melbourne had the closest thing we've ever seen to a Hollywood-style robbery. It was something out of the movies. A group of crooks, they had costumes, they had props, and they robbed mm. an Armaguard van and took $2.4 million in cash. Amazing amount of money. Yesterday, the law finally caught up with one of them. A 59-year-old man was arrested at his home in Seddon. He was taken to court yesterday where he was charged with various offences over that robbery. A man who is basically famous around this country for documenting Melbourne crime through the Underbelly books and Underbelly mm-hmm. TV series joins us on the line now. Good morning, Andrew Rule. Good morning, Seb. How did these guys pull this off? It was one of the most perfectly executed crimes we've seen in this uh, in this country, I, I think. Um, a guy called Sandy McLean, uh, who's now gone to God, left an account of it behind him with family members, an account which... Um, the police also obtained, and he describes how he came down from interstate uh, every week for, for a long time to observe an armor guard van leave the city and go out of the city by a particular route and then get onto the freeway uh, down under the Nilex clock uh, on that little um, access lane there. And that's exactly what they did on June the 22nd, 1994, the uh, the van truck ch- chugs around the corner and onto the access lane. It's pulled up by some road workers who have got stop and go signs and a concrete cutter and all sorts of stuff. You know, high vis vests and all the rest of it. And of course, the road workers are really robbers, and they're very, very good robbers. And the key part of this, uh, Sebi, is that they had a key. Amazingly enough, they had a key that fitted the locks on the back of the armor guard van, which you'd have to say, was uh, very, very uh, good planning. They must have had very good inside information. And while the concrete cutter is howling and uh, they're holding all the traffic up and all this, a couple of guys slip into the back of the armour guard van, much to the surprise of the um, sleepy guards inside, handcuff these guys, put hoods over their heads, and one of them jumps in the driver's seat and they just drive it around the corner into into Richmond and uh, they empty it out empty all the money out in a matter of minutes and put it in another car and they leave the truck there with the um, the handcuffed guards in the truck. It, was, it all took maybe, you know, three or four minutes. Unbelievable to get away with that amount of cash. Has anyone ever got close to figuring out how they would have got a copy of that key? Sebi, there's a lot of speculation about such things, but um, and I doubt it'll ever be proven, but I suspect that there was an inner suburban uh, locksmith who was very good at his craft, who had very good links with certain people in the underworld. And so 22 years later, police knock on a door in Seddon yesterday morning and they take in 59-year-old Pasquale Percy Lanciana. They charge him with a number of serious charges over this robbery. The courts will decide if he's involved, of course. But what can you tell us? Do you know anything about this guy? I do. I suspect that he would be a, uh, a former martial artist, uh, as in fact, many of these guys, many of the guys in this gang are former uh, martial artists of some description or another. And this guy was very, very good at it. He might have been, you know, a boxer or a kickboxer. And he's had a tragic life, Seb, because his young wife, a very young wife, was shot dead Mm. at their home um, in the western suburbs many years ago. And uh, he came home to find that his young wife had been shot dead, or at least that's what he told the police. He keeps a fairly low profile. He rides around town on a uh, bike, push bike, and he's considered by everyone who knows him a very fearsome fellow. And tell me this, one of them is dead, as you say. One of them was arrested yesterday. What about the other members of this gang? Well, there's one that we might call the general. Anybody that's been studying... Uh, arrests over the last year or two would know that this man was charged uh, earlier this year over another heist altogether. There's a couple of brothers who are interesting characters. They're the sort of people that had their photographs taken at underworld funerals during the gangland war. Mm. Despite the fact that the man that's arrested is, uh, was arrested at Seddon in the western suburbs, many of the other guys are, in fact, from the eastern suburbs. There used to be a, a gang called the Geordie Boys uh, back in the Sharpie skinhead era. Oh, yeah. And that these, uh, back in the bad old days of the early 70s, perhaps some of these blokes were Geordie Boys. Interesting. So would you be expecting uh, maybe a little bit more to come on this matter uh, as we go oh, forward? Oh, this heist was sort of Ocean's Eleven stuff. It yeah. was very good. It's 
you know, it's been depicted in various films and TV series, versions of it ever since, because it, it was just so so clever and so quick and apparently so flawless. But, of course, very few crimes ultimately are flawless because um, usually somebody somebody starts talking. Absolutely. Well, if you want to know more about it, it's uh, In Ruler's latest book, Shot at Close Range. He's got an inside story on uh, the Richmond heist in that. So pick that up. Andrew Rule from the Herald Sun, author. Mate, you do it all. Thanks for chatting to us. It's a pleasure, Seb, any time. A cracking Australian Open golf is happening up in Sydney this weekend. And after two rounds, James Nettie's led at nine under after a seven under 65 yesterday. If you don't know James Nitties, he's Newcastle-based. According to his PGA profile, he likes Metallica and Las Vegas. He's <laughs> yes. growing on me. He's growing on me. He was on the PGA Tour for a while. He got thrown off that. He then got thrown off another minor tour. So he's been doing it tough these last few years. Mm-hmm. And to play like he did yesterday, well, that was really significant for him. Playing mini tours this year in America and and you're a 34-year-old and you know you've been on the PGA Tour and you've competed on the web and my game hasn't really changed much from then but you know you're staying in hotels which have cockroaches running around and and then as you get older and you experience more it's it's a real battle so great for him to be back in form yesterday and to talk more about it is the Channel 7 golf commentator and great of Australian golf good day Wayne Grady Hey guys, how are you? Mate, uh, so how good a story is it that James Nitties could pull out that sort of form? Yeah, very good. I mean, he came under the radar. We we were off air and uh, we saw him uh, climbing up the leaderboard, but to get to the lead at, uh, and shoot 65 yesterday afternoon, that's an incredible uh, score, especially in the heat of yesterday afternoon. I'm looking at the leaderboard and three shots back, there's a very ominous Adam Scott. Is he poised to just take this one? Uh, well, his putting's a big thing, and even yesterday he finished the round. He shot 65 and finished the round by missing a three-foot putt. So uh, he he got it back. He was very upset with himself after his opening round, and uh, to go out there yesterday morning, the greens were a bit softer. Weather was good, but he still had to put the score on the board. So yeah, when you see Scotty's name up the top, uh, all the other guys will be paying attention. The other guy I really like is Curtis Luck. This is the 20-year-old West Australian amateur who uh, teed off with Jordan Spieth to start the round earlier in the week. But he's got something, mate. Well, he certainly has. I mean, and he's, uh, well, he's won a professional tournament already. He's got himself into the uh, Masters next year. He just looks so comfortable out there. And and he played alongside Jordan Spieth, who's uh, one of the superstars of the game and, and did it easily. So, no, he's got a lot of presence about him and, We'll all be excited to watch him over the next couple of days. We're talking to Wayne Grady, Channel 7 golf commentator. And, mate, before we let you go, just a word on the great Peter Senior, whose hip gave out yesterday. He had to pull out of the tournament early with injury. But I think one of my favourite stories, sports stories of last year, was when this guy who'd first won the Masters, I think, in 1991, came back in his 50s and took another gold jacket in 2015. Yeah, that was just an incredible story, that. And it was... Uh, Peter's won the three biggest tournaments in Australia all in his 50s. Uh, <laughs> so it was really sad for, for everyone. And I've played with Pete uh, since we were teenagers, since Pete was 13 years old, and I know how much he loves the game. And uh, I, I thought he was very composed yesterday, actually, when he announced his retirement. But I know how much he loves the game, and he'll still be around, but it's a shame to see him go out that way. Absolutely. Wayne Grady, thanks for chatting to us. The Australian Open Golf will be on Channel 7 all weekend, uh, also on the Plus 7 Live app from midday today and tomorrow. Enjoy, mate. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for talking. Bye. And the captain of the South African cricket team, Faf Duplessis, has been charged with changing the condition of the ball. He faces a possible one-match ban. He's got form, this guy, too. In 2013, he was caught rubbing the ball on his metal zipper. This time around, it was putting fingers in his mouth onto a lolly or a mint and then rubbing his fingers on the ball. Yesterday, in a bit of a show of solidarity from the South Africans, the full team appeared at a press conference. Nasham Amla was the man who was left to defend the skipper. The allegations against Faf was, was really a facet, really ridiculous thing. And as a team, we're standing strong. We've done nothing. I mean, it's it's fast. It's basically a joke. Being investigated, though, by the ICC. Is it? It's absolutely so. being investigated. Well, whether it is or not, we've done nothing wrong. I'm not sure what 
a big deal is for me. It's actually to a lot of people, it's sounding like more like sour sweets on other uh, sour sweets for people in their heads. Maybe that we've played really good cricket. Can we ask? Excuse me. Yeah, excuse me. Can we move on? Thank you. Um, can we move on? To where? To where? To we'll the move. next questions. Uh, that was the media manager getting involved. For more, we go to a legend of Australian cricket who's dominating in the media these days. G'day, Brad Haddon. Morning, mate. How you going? Mate, uh, is this a big deal? Oh, I don't think it is. Oh, I think just let it go, to, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't the Australians or the match review people that started him. It was the ICC. So uh, I think it's, oh, it's just a couple of slow media days because there's a tour game on and there's, there's no, nothing to talk about with the... The test team's getting picked, so I actually don't think there's anything in it, to be honest. Beautiful, mate. Well, you might not have seen this, but uh, Dale Stain, the great South African bowler who's been out injured, has done a tweet this morning, which is going to get people talking. I'll read it to you. It's from Dale Stain's account. Beaten with the bat, beaten with the ball, beaten in the field, mentally stronger. Here's an idea. Let's blame it on a lollipop. Now, that's a pretty big dig at the Aussies. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's... It is, but it's not the Aussies that uh, have reported. It's the ICC, so it's it's nothing to do with um, the Australian cricket team or even the match referees uh, for the test match. It's, it's the ICC have seen the footage and, and they've so- decided to react on it. So it just looks like Dale's uh, sitting at home, watch, bored um, with his rehab, to be honest. There. <laughs> I like it, mate. Now, in the second test in Hobart, Australia batted for 422 minutes across two innings. In the match between Victoria and New South Wales and the Sheffield Shield over the last few days, Peter Hanscom has batted for 470 minutes, more than the Aussies, and he's made 215 for Victoria. Surely now there's no question this guy gets a test cap. Oh, well, he's done everything that the selectors asked. The selectors said they're, they're not picking the test team till, till this round of Shield cricket's over. We want guys to go out there and score um, score big runs, and, and Peter Hanscom's done exactly that. He's, he scored 200, and... and Obviously, there's going to be some changes there, and he's he's a guy that um, I'm lucky enough to to work with in the Australian A setup, and he's a really good character. Um, he got a really good hundred against South Africa A under pressure, so yeah, I see no reason why they can't go his way now. He's put the runs on the board, and that's what we need. Any others you think uh, might get their you know test cap for Adelaide? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of discussion around uh, Bancroft from WA, Curtis Patterson, and Nick Madison from from New South Wales. Um, I think there'll be a lot of discussion around those guys. We we need to find some runs. We need to find some guys that are that are hungry and and, and want to get out there and get uncomfortable in in, in the contest and, and enjoy that moment out there. So uh, I think these young guys have have got uh, a lot of character about them, and let's throw them in there and see how they go. Patterson's playing for New South Wales in that Shield game. The New South Wales men are now batting, and he's on 28, not out. So it is a huge day for him at the SCG. He's basically batting for a spot in the test side. Now, mate, a very, very exciting announcement was made yesterday with Triple M confirming our all-star broadcasting lineup for our first cricket commentary, the first cricket commentary of its kind on FM radio. And I'm pretty pumped to say that you'll be a part of it, Brad Haddon. Mate, congratulations. And it's going to be a fun summer of cricket on the M's. Oh, thank you very much. I'm I'm super excited about the opportunity. Oh, obviously, it's going to be great to call the game, but you're right next to the great Skull. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. How good's that? Getting Skull out of retirement to to lead the team. You got guys like Brayshaw and um, and guys also leading. So it's it's going to be a great opportunity. And the best thing I think the viewers are going to enjoy the the light take on on the cricket. There's some serious stuff there, obviously, with the Test matches, but there's some great characters in um, in that uh, box. It's going to be great to listen to. Mate, the great Kerry O'Keefe leading the side, as you heard Brad Haddon just say. Michael Slater's involved. Binger Brett Lee, Merv Hughes is there. And our current guest will be first padding up on December 15 for the first test match of the series against Pakistan at the Gabba in Brisbane. And you hear the voice of Brad Haddon throughout the summer on the M's. Mate, thanks for having a chat. Mate, any day. Enjoy it. Ready. A bounce. A right for Nada. The biggest high-flying act you've ever seen in your life. Come on, mate. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristle's Missile. Take your flags and stick them you know where. Morning, Bristle man. Uh, good morning, Seb Costello. I thought of you this week. I was reading an article about Pep Guardiola, who is the Manchester City manager in the English Premier League. Oh, yeah. And he banned his players from making love after midnight. 
Would that rule have flown uh, at Collingwood in the late 80s, early 90s? It probably would have still been okay because it was mainly before midnight. Oh, so, we didn't have the nightclubs back then. It would have closed a bit earlier, did it? Yeah, possibly. Possibly, you're right. But uh, no, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have, definitely wouldn't have worked, Seb. <laughs> definitely wouldn't have worked because we did a lot of after-hours activities. Not that I did, but a lot of my friends were involved. That's in it. Sort of stuff. Uh, you would have been yeah. tucked up by 9pm, ready to kick a bag yeah. the next day. I do remember one particular night. I was playing at Richmond at the time. Silly thing to do when you consider I was playing at Richmond that I would attend the Richmond Disco. Oh, um, yes. On the night before a St Kilda game, a mate of mine came over from Perth and very hard to get into the Richmond Disco in those days. Big queue, you had to really know someone. So I said, look, mate, I'll get you in and uh, you know, then I'll disappear and you can come home when you want to come home because I've got to play footy tomorrow. Mm. He, he, uh, he so went down there, got him in about midnight. Uh, I ended up walking out there about, about four or five <laughs> in the morning. Um, got a bit carried away in there. Kicked five that day. But, oh! Uh, still, still got caught and copped a suspension and a fine. <laughs> in the match? Yeah. What did you do to get suspended? No, no, no. I got, I got uh, suspended for being out. Oh, out, right, right, right. right. Uh, okay. And fined for being out uh, the night before the game. Was it well, dope? All right to do it two nights before the game. <laughs> was, the, was the bag of goals in the resis? Uh, no, 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 the Seb, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> this was the senior stuff with a bag of This four. was the seniors, mate. This, I had a bit of a sleep in that morning. <laughs> but back then they used to kick bags of five fairly regularly. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so I think it might, might have been six. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the first time you played on uh, uh, Spud Frawley? Uh, yes, I made him uh, the MCG, uh, <laughs> Collingwood were playing uh, St Kilda. <laughs> And I made him cry. I never get sick of this story. Half time, and then just after uh, after three quarter time, he oh. cried twice. Yeah. Uh, he cried because he just couldn't handle it anymore. So uh, yeah, no, he he cried, and uh, he, he's never ever forgotten that. And he hates it when I bring it up. But he he actually cried. Do you think he cries again when he hears you talking about it on radio? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, Brian, uh, I've got a very special guest coming up next. Who's that? Paris Hilton. Oh, have you really? Paris Hilton is coming on. Uh, Well, I've pre-recorded the interview, so I actually uh, met her yesterday. But uh, what do you think of Paris? Um, I only said when I saw her on the news last night or the night before, I said to the boys, she's gone off the face of the earth. What's happened there? And they they just said, look, Dad, she's got older and she's grown up a bit. Um, But Paris is is a good, you know, she seems to be a good person. She's a beautiful girl, Brian, and very yeah. successful businesswoman as well. Is she, is she? Yeah. Now? yeah. She's well. brought out 20 different perfumes. She's a perfume uh, <laughs> operator, is she? She is. Well, yeah. uh, you know, you, is that what she does, perfume? She gets, you know that stuff you get down at the uh, chemist warehouse, you know, the uh, Paco Rabanne. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, she's <laughs> been very successful then, hasn't she? Have you still got those glasses from chemist warehouse? Yes, the uh, the uh, the ones uh, at uh, two dollars each with two little lights on them. Why do you yeah. need lights on glasses? Just reading glasses, Seb. Yeah. But I look forward to hearing Paris because uh, she was someone I looked up to. <laughs> um, I don't there, believe you, Brian. I don't think is, you did look up to Paris. Isn't there a famous story about one footballer actually went out with Paris for about four hours? Who's that? Oh, I think you'll find there might be one in the league. But anyway, what, what club? Oh, I can't, can't, can't get any more. No, 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 no. Can't give any more information. All right. that, we might have to yeah. pick this up off air. BT, always good to chat, mate. Uh, we're going to talk about sport at any stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, we, we heard about you at the Richmond Disco and then the Bag of Five. I reckon that covered sport. I'm going in to have a haircut now. I'm on my way into uh, the Y salon and they're going to slug me 190. Uh, not anymore, they're not. Uh, not anymore, they're not, mate. <laughs> no, they don't believe in that sort of stuff. It's a very backdoor. What? Hang on, you, you go to a business that doesn't believe in that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes, it's a very. It's my wife's hairdresser, and uh, I, I, I should. I probably shouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> it's a bit above me, but anyway, it uh, needs a bit of a bouffant uh, attention. Yes. Oh, nothing wrong with the bouffant, mate. Well, you have a good weekend. See ya. I had a chance to catch up with Paris Hilton yesterday. Oh, it's that time, is it? It is time Yay. to talk Paris Hilton. And we talked Shane Warne. We even talked Luke Darcy. Wow. Of course we talked Warney because Warney wanted to party with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do see too on Twitter, before the break, Brian Taylor alluded to an AFL footballer who may have had a relationship mm. with Paris Hilton for a couple of hours. And <laughs> somebody on Twitter has suggested that maybe that person wore red and black. 
possibly. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Mm. Here, with uh, much fanfare, is my chat with Paris Hilton. Well, Paris, thank you for giving us some time. I guess a lot of Australians first came to know you as the girl that everybody wanted at their party. You then became this TV megastar. What phase of life is Paris Hilton in now? Now I'm a businesswoman and I'm running a huge empire. And yes, I still have fun. I party, I go, I DJ and perform around the world, but my focus is my business. You come from a fairly successful business family. What advice did your parents give you in business? I've gotten so much amazing advice from my family. I'm very lucky to grow up in a family full of incredible businessmen. So I've always looked up to them and always followed their advice. I suppose a lot of people would look at you from this successful, wealthy family and ask, why would you work? Because I love what I do. I wouldn't feel happy just being another one of these trust fund kids. I'm very proud that I've made my own name, my own money, and I feel just amazing that I've made my family so proud. And I just feel like the luckiest girl in the world. And what's the goal now? You're bringing out your own products. You're building that business empire. Would we ever see a Paris Hilton hotel chain? Um, yes, I'm actually under construction on my second property. The first one's already opened, and I'm going to be doing them all around the world. That's exciting. Yes. Would you rather win a Forbes Business Prize, a Nobel Peace Prize, or an Oscar? Forbes. <laughs> That's uh, somebody who knows a balance sheet. Yes. Now, uh, a couple more questions. We have a very famous sports person called Shane Warne, who you may not have heard of, but he put himself on the front page of the newspaper today saying he would love to meet you. Mm -hmm. Is that the way to get a girl's attention? Well, it did get my attention because I was actually woke up this morning and was reading the morning papers and I saw that on the cover and uh, I thought that was very sweet. That's very <laughs> nice. So Warnie might have a chance to hang out with you if, you, if he's able to cross your path? Well, I haven't met him yet, but I would love to meet him and say hello. Have you ever watched a game of cricket? Yes, of course. I love sports. Excellent. Well, uh, well I'll look forward to uh, hopefully that can happen. Maybe one last one too. You might not remember, but on your social media today, you were at a radio station and you saw a, a radio team and you pointed to one of the men and you thought he was quite handsome. Yeah. Um, his name's Luke Darcy. He likes to wear gloves as a fashion accessory. Is gloves acceptable for a man to wear? Yeah, it depends. I like wearing gloves. But like the Madonna, like fingerless gloves. He wears fingerless gloves? No, it's more a kind of leather arrangement. Uh, I think he thinks it's sort of um, masculine. When it's cold? Yeah, it was cold, yeah, in his defence. that's fine. I like it. <laughs> I love gloves. I think they look hot. Terrific. Well, Paris, uh, there's your fans waiting to see you, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Wow. There it wee. is. Now, that is hard-hitting journalism, Rosie. It is. Uh, uh, fingerless gloves yep. is her preference. Of all the work I've done, I think I'm most proud of that. And you got the scoop on the uh, Paris Hilton Hotel. <laughs> Brilliant. It's amazing. You wouldn't want to sleep in a you Paris Hilton Hotel. You need an ACRA for that. I think the, <laughs> the award for uh, broadcasting. Oh, Put that in. Paris Hilton. There you go. One-on-one uh, -on, -one on Triple M's Weekend Breakfast. She's here for a gold rush is the name of the perfume. Excellent. And I look forward to hearing Luke Darcy's thoughts on that <laughs> come Monday on the Hot Breakfast. We'll have to play that to him, I think. <laughs> And that tune heralds the arrival of the crime reporter from 10 Eyewitness News. Morning again, Chanel Vella. Good morning. I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> yes. What? What time did you tell me to be here this morning? Um, 8.40. Yeah. Got pushed back for Paris Hilton, apparently. Well, look. Because if... the time is 8.54, <laughs> Seb. And there was a very lengthy interview with a woman that was not I. No, I'm sorry. Paris sort of meant that we had to play around with time, but what did you think of Paris? It's a fabulous interview, Sam. <laughs> I... You sound a little facetious, Chanel. Look, I just, I feel like Paris Hilton is very 2002. Yeah, okay. Can I say that? Yeah, I don't. Okay. Granted, she has made an empire and I applaud a powerful woman. Mm. But where did this come from? Mm. I wasn't thinking Paris Hilton yeah. at all. And then all of a sudden, there she was. You were just thinking, you know, where's where's Mark <laughs> Holden? Again. You know, where's Gretel Colleen hosting Big Brother? Well, this is the thing. Where's Gretel in the Amex dress from the grand final? of? I've got questions, though, yeah. as I always do. Well, yes. Did you hear the interview? I heard the did interview. Did you hear what a lovely, intelligent woman she sounded like? That was my first question. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be real about it. Yeah, okay. Do you feel that is she an intelligent businesswoman? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. I do. Okay. Well, you know what? My theory on Paris was always 
But she became this global punchline, right? All the talk shows were making fun Absolutely. of her. We'd all laugh about her because how could they be so silly with their dogs and their handbags Correct. and all that? <laughs> and I thought to myself, she's making money off this. And if you're getting rich by the rest of the world thinking you're an idiot, you're not as dumb as you mm. seem to be. Smarter than me. <laughs> She's doing <laughs> something better than what I'm. You've tried to be a credible intelligent journalist. You've and got it, it hasn't all wrong. paid off. <laughs> at so, all. Look, I think I said to Rosie before, I just found her to be also very aware of how she was presenting herself. So the idea of her personal brand was really obvious. So she'd be, even if it was a selfie with, you know, say the the business manager of the company that brought her out here, Chemist Warehouse, she'd still be posing, doing the teacup yeah, thing. Right. She'd be aware of where the mirrors were so she could have a look at herself and, and make sure that she was 100% at all times. Like she was she was focused. And that's almost building a second subconscious to be able to do that mm. all the time. That's exhausting. Absolutely. But I, but I think, is there an element of an act though? I mean, even in the way that she sort of drops her voice and, and kind of whispers in that interview. Yeah, it's a character. Mm. And it's, um, I guess we've all loved it over the last couple of days because she's been everywhere in Melbourne. Mm. It's all anyone's talking about and no one was talking about her last week. So good for her. She's Job big. done. Yeah. Now you are a big uh, McDonald's fan. Why does this keep coming up? Well, our listeners have cottoned <laughs> onto this and they keep, <laughs> they keep sending you stories about McDonald's to tell you about. Okay. Tell me. And this one comes from America. We were sent this during the week but finds that 106 McDonald's restaurants in the central Ohio area are going to be exclusively able to enjoy the new classic Big Mac sandwich with the zing of sriracha. What's that? Sriracha sauce. It's the best sauce in the world. It's in the green bottle with the – sorry, the red bottle with the green cap. It's hot. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's It's garlicky. It's hot. It's amazing. Now, last week you poo-pooed the idea of a Nutella hamburger at the Italian (laughs) McDonald's. What about the reimagined Big Mac sandwich with the zing of sriracha? I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. I think like? I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, I like it. You know, hot sauce. I love a club sandwich, so a sandwich I'm into. Mm. I'll go that. Mm. I'm just not, I'm still hating the Nutella idea. No, oh, I reckon that's quite tasty. Well, ladies, it's coming to an end for this week. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a bit worried about our Seb. He's very good oh. at being front and centre and, and presenting Absolutely. himself and good at getting interviews and, and yes. your, your, your brand is you, on on you Instagram say nice and Twitter. About me, He's on brand. Something on is trend. coming when you start saying nice things about me. I don't. Enjoy working with Seb much on the weekends <laughs> very often. I don't get to do it very often. So I've missed a few interviews lately, but today there was one that I just went, oh, that's not quite right. I think somebody's got your name wrong. And I've found out with yes. DC's help that a few people need to learn your name a little bit better, I think. Let's go through it. Morning. Morning, Seb. Uh, good morning, Steve. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me, Sam. Sam. Steve. Sam. No Seb. one knows who you are, mate. Oh, You've done Sebby. all this work for nothing. Oh, I've got to talk to Paris kept... about how to get the name yeah, out there a bit so. more. Seb. Need That's to... it. Just to say get it, it out a bit four more. times together. <laughs> Seb, Seb, Seb. Seb. Short for Sebastian. Thank it's you. not that hard to remember. And, and yeah. Thank you, Rosie. Steve. And... <laughs> Thanks, Steve. We've loved it's being my here. Oh, Shardell Vella from the 10 Eyewitness <laughs> News team. Thank you once again. No worries, Sam. Rosie. <laughs> Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. If I could think of another women's name that started with R, I would call you something Rachel. else. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. there we go. Okay, no oh, worries. We'll see Sam, you. <laughs> see you Monday. See you Monday. <laughs> Triple M trainees, wise up. Ditch the paperwork and run your business on bridge. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello.